live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Sports Beat on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. A video feed rolling right now on the Twitch app. It is 5.08 on this Tuesday, January the 24th of 2023. Tonight's Budweiser's weekday sports beat is cut down to 90 minutes. We are off the air at 6.30 because tonight it is another installment of Notre Dame basketball. Yeah, I know. The 1-8 Irish back on the road in Raleigh to take on North Carolina State. They might have a puncher's chance tonight. We'll give you one of the reasons why coming up in just a couple of moments. So, sports beat on the air until 6.30 this evening when Tony Simeone will welcome you to Raleigh, North Carolina, home of the Wolfpack and the Carolina Hurricanes. Coming up on the program this evening, we'll have the Twitter question of the day at the bottom of the hour. I will take you back to last weekend and update you where we are right now with the Fighting Irish Hockey Team, not a nationally ranked squad at this particular time. In fact, they are still under 500, but don't worry about that. They are right smack dab in the middle of a group of teams that are trying to push their way into the NCAA tournament, and the Irish have a puncher's chance right now. I'll use that phrase again. So we'll talk some hockey in a little bit. Also coming up today, probably right around 5.55, we will get the latest in Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Mike Singer. We are going to talk about Justin Scott. And if you do not follow recruiting, but you are a Notre Dame football fan, I would suggest tuning in because we are going to talk about this five-star interior defensive lineman that's going to be visiting Notre Dame in a few days. And he wants to make his college choice in about a week on his birthday. This kid is a difference maker. Now, interior defensive lineman, 
probably does not have the same impact for you hearing about them compared to a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, or even a defensive end. But having watched some video of Justin Scott today, holy Toledo, 6'5", 310, and he moves like he's 240 pounds. I mean, this kid is not the normal interior defensive lineman that you see. Wow, this is a really impressive kid. I know Georgia has recently offered him, but he's coming to South Bend. He's been here before, so we'll talk about Justin Scott in our recruiting segment at 555+. If you're a Chicago Bears fan, we are going to mention a recruit whose last name will ring a few bells in your head. And it's hard to imagine he's already has a son that's getting ready for college football in a couple of years, but it's the case. We will talk about that mystery Chicago Bear and his son coming up in our recruiting segment at 555. And for those of you that listen to the segment, we always tell you that Mike and I Our conversation is available on the YouTube channel for Blue and Gold Illustrated. If you go to Blue and Gold Illustrated on YouTube, you'll find all of our conversations. And I would suggest taking a look at this one. We recorded it just a little bit ago, and it has video highlights of Justin Scott. And you tell me, 65310, how many guys you see moving like this kid does? It is impressive, and that video will be up. Probably later on tonight, I would say. So give it a look on YouTube and just go to the Blue and Gold Illustrated YouTube channel and just look for Mike and Darren's conversation on January the 24th today. So a lot of fun talking about Justin Scott. We'll have a little sizzler before the end of the program. And again, we're off the air at 6.30 tonight due to Notre Dame basketball taking on the North Carolina State Wolfpack. And now we start the program with our hat trick opening topics. We've got three sets of topics to get tonight's program underway. Topic number one this evening is the injury update on Notre Dame women's basketball player Dara Mabry. She made the announcement on social media last night. It is your worst fears coming true. Mabry, the grad student guard, is lost for the season, and her career comes to a close due to tearing an ACL in Sunday's win over Virginia. Made a great defensive play, going in for the layup, non-contact, the knee gave way, and just as you probably kind of expected watching the play, it is a torn ACL. So Mabry averages 9.3 points per game, fifth on the team. She has made the most three-point shots on this Notre Dame women's basketball team with 33. But unfortunately, she will not be a part of this push to win an ACC regular season championship, eventually a conference tournament title, and of course, a lengthy run into the NCAA tournament. The Irish have some pretty good depth. That's the good news, but that is a veteran guard who leads the team in three-pointers made no longer available to head coach Neil Ivey. On yesterday's program, South Bend Tribune, Notre Dame basketball 
Beat reporter Anthony Anderson joined the program, and I asked him a couple of questions in regard to Mabry and this Irish team, including how the team responded to seeing Mabry go down just a couple of minutes into that Virginia game. Well, that was that was remarkable. Uh, that was one of the crazier things I've seen. They scored 18 of the next 20 points, hmm. beginning with the two free throws that Bransford took uh, in Mabry's place. And you've seen that, you know, teams are lifted up by something like that in the short term, and then some of them, because of the actual lost personnel, it's a little different in the in the long term. But I thought that was amazing. And then they were just about as good at the start of the second half, which obviously after they had time to go in and digest what had happened even more, it was like the more they digested it, the, the better they were. So it was, uh, as I said in my story, it was agonizing but galvanizing. Yeah. It, it just... Um, they, they, they really responded. And, and it was weird. It was kind of foretelling uh, Jenna Brown, who is probably going to pick up minutes now if Dara's is out. Uh, she said that, uh, and, and, and Neil concurred, that uh, they had just had a meeting. I'm not sure what day it was. I want to say it was Friday. Talking about their, their adversity always hits that you don't see coming. So there was, <laughs> there was sort of a foretelling there in that regard. So, um, and, and, and it's true. You know, it, it feels like almost half the teams in the country get hit by a, a mm-hmm. semi to serious uh, lengthy injury these days. So the Irish will have to move on without Dara Mabry, key part of the basketball team. They've had the same starting lineup for all 18 games this season, but the lineup Thursday at home against Florida State will look different with Mabry on the sideline for this highly ranked. Notre Dame women's basketball team. So again, Notre Dame hosting Florida State Thursday night, 8 o'clock tip, 745 pregame on the Notre Dame radio network heard on our sister station, Live 99.9. Hat trick topic number two to get the program underway. It is in regard to the Notre Dame men's basketball team in action tonight against the Wolfpack of North Carolina State. The game down in Raleigh and this North Carolina State basketball team having a good year. They are 15-5 overall and currently 5-4 in the ACC. But here's a major storyline in tonight's ballgame. It centers around North Carolina State's best player, Terquavian Smith. He suffered a scary fall during the Wolfpacks game against North Carolina over the weekend. He was in the hospital for a short time. He was released Saturday night from the hospital. And the latest report we had was that Smith was a game-time decision for the Notre Dame game. It sounds like if you dig a little deeper, reading the media's conversations about Smith that it's very doubtful he plays tonight in fact he has had trouble shooting the basketball due to stiffness from that fall so there is a good chance North Carolina State's leading scorer and best player won't go against the Irish tonight now Smith is projected to be an NBA first round pick he is dealing with neck and elbow pain he's had some numbness in his right arm that's why he's had issues shooting the basketball Now, he was taken to North Carolina Medical Center. All x-rays were negative and returned to Raleigh Saturday night. 
This is a 6'4 guard ranked by ESPN as the 21st best player in the draft. He leads the ACC in scoring at 19.1 points per game. Smith is also fourth in assists at 4.7. So as you can see, that is a huge part of the North Carolina State basketball team that could be out of their lineup tonight. Jarkel Joyner is their next leading scorer at 16 points per game with four and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, shooting 32% from the field. And let's be honest, you want to play everybody at full strength, but this could be a big break for the Irish who are just trying to taste victory. Once again, Notre Dame is 9-11, and 1-8 and eight in the Atlantic Coast Conference, their most recent game, an extremely disappointing performance by the players. In the first game, following Mike Bray's announcement that he would be leaving the Irish basketball program at the conclusion of the season, they go out and lose to Boston College 84-72 and allow BC to shoot almost 60% from three, a team that was shooting 29% from the three-point line going into that ballgame. The good news from that contest was Nate Lashevsky was shooting the basketball. I gave you the stat last week that I thought was interesting, unique. Not sure what the right adjective is. But Lashevsky, going into the BC game, was number one on the team in points per game. He was number one on the team in field goal percentage, but fifth in shot attempts. Now, he doesn't pull the trigger as much, I think, as Mike Bray wants. I get the sense listening to Mike, he'd like to see him be a little more aggressive. But when your top score and top field goal percentage player is fifth in shot attempts, that just doesn't seem to add up. Well, he took the shots against BC, hit seven of nine threes and scored a career-high 29 points, but Notre Dame lost by 12 to Boston College, and the Eagles swept the Irish in the two-game ACC series. 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock tip tonight. We'll see if Terquavian Smith takes the floor for NC State. Doesn't seem likely. Notre Dame, an eight-point underdog on the road tonight. And our third hat-trick topic of the opening segment of the program centers around the announcement coming up at the top of the hour. The Baseball Writers Association have handed in their ballots. The ballots have been tabulated. And we will find out who is going to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in the class of 2023. You can vote up to 10 people on your ballot. Not sure why. If there are 12 deserving, you can't vote for 12, but that's the way things are done in Cooperstown. There's been a log jam for a few years. Some good players kind of fell off the ballot, which is unfortunate. There are some new committees to try to fix those particular issues, including Fred McGriff, which was a massive swing and a miss by the Writers Association. He got put in by this new Veterans Committee. But tonight, we probably will have a couple of players that will be elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. If I had a vote, I think there are two that are easy. Now, I'm not saying it's the only two that I would vote for, 
But there are two that should be absolute locks, and I'm surprised they are still on the ballot at this particular time. Again, there's a log jam of players. Some good players just don't get voted on. But here are the two players for me that I don't have to think about. The first is Billy Wagner, and the second is Scott Rowland. Billy Wagner was one of the most dominant relief pitchers in Major League Baseball history. He pitched for the Houston Astros from 95 to 2003, had an ERA of 2.53. He then moved on to the Philadelphia Phillies for a couple of years in 04 and 05, went to the New York Mets 06 through 08, and into 09 when he was traded to Boston and finished in Atlanta in 2010. Here's why I think Billy Wagner should have been in a long time ago. If you're a baseball fan in this area, and if you're old enough, that's a key, Chicago Cub fans remember how good Bruce Suter was back in the late 70s and into the 80s. He mastered the split-finger fastball, which just dropped off the table, looked like a fastball, and just dove into the dirt. He was considered one of the top closers at the time. At times, he was unhittable and was an easy guy to vote for into the Baseball Hall of Fame. So with all that being said, Bruce Suter's ERA in his career was 2.83. Billy Wagner, 2.31. Suter pitched about 90 more innings in his career. He struck out 861 in 1,042 innings, 861. Wagner struck out 1,196 in 903 innings. Whip, which is walks plus hits divided by innings pitch. Anything below 1.2 is really, really good. If you're below one, you are elite, elite, elite. Bruce Suter. One of the great closers of his time, his whip for his career, 1.140. Wagner was 0.998. He gave up less than a hit and a walk per inning. Saves, Wagner had 422. Suter had 300. If Bruce Suter was a no-doubt Hall of Famer, why in the world is Billy Wagner still being voted on after all these years? He became eligible In 2015, still on the ballot, should get in. It is a no-doubt vote, and hopefully he gets in today. So Wagner, for me, is a lock. The other lock for me is Scott Rowland. For whatever reason, the baseball writers have not put many third basemen into the Baseball Hall of Fame, and there's really no explanation for it. Now, of course, guys like Mike Schmidt and Brooks Robinson – Chipper Jones, they're in the Baseball Hall of Fame where they should be. But a guy like Scott Rowland is right there with the best of the best. There were many people that believed that when Scott Rowland was playing, that he was the best defensive third baseman since Brooks Robinson. Now, Mike Schmidt's probably in that conversation too, but Rowland was spectacular. He won eight gold gloves In his Major League Baseball career covering 17 seasons, he was a seven-time All-Star. 
He was the rookie of the year for the Philadelphia Phillies in 1996 at the age of 21. The Evansville, Indiana native was traded to St. Louis in 2002 where he had his best seasons of his major league career in six years with St. Louis. Hit 286 with a 370 on base and an 879 OPS. He moved on to Cincinnati and Toronto to wrap up his stellar career. He had a bad back at times, which hindered him, but still at the end of the day, his defense was superior with the eight goal gloves. You look at his final numbers at 281, the on base was great, 364, the slugging was great, 490, OPS, anything over 800 is really, really good. He was at 855, and his OPS plus was 122 for his career. 100 is considered average. So for me, I don't have to look at the stats. I don't have to think about those two very long. Billy Wagner, Scott Rowland should be in the Hall of Fame. You can make arguments for guys like Todd Helton. And the other player escapes me. Head of my brain just a second ago, and poof, it just went away. But those two, for me, got to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And Helton, I think, probably will get in. But he played in Colorado, and he might get discounted by some people because he played in that offensive ballpark of Coors Field. The announcement for the Baseball Hall of Fame coming up at the top of the hour. My vote was easy, Wagner and Roland. Those are the hat trick topics to start today's program. It is 527 on your home of the Fighting Irish and this weekend's NFL Championship Games, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up next, our Twitter question of the day. In about 30 minutes, some really good Notre Dame football recruiting talk with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960. WSBT. 533 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to the program. I'm Darren Pritchett. Irish basketball comes your way in 57 minutes from Raleigh, North Carolina. Twitter question of the day from Monday. What was the best win of the weekend? We gave you three choices. Two local, one national. Choice number one, high school boys basketball. The second-ranked team in 4A, Penn, defeated the top-ranked team in 3A, Mishawaka Marion, 66-52. Choice number two from college hockey, unranked Notre Dame went to Happy Valley and beat number three, Penn State, 2-1 on Friday. And the third choice From the National Football League, the Cincinnati Bengals going to Buffalo and beating the Bills handily 27-10. After adding up the votes, coming in third place, 13.2% of the vote. The Penn basketball team beating Marion by 14 points. Maybe if the game's a little closer, that gets a few more votes. Coming in second place, 28.3% of you said the Notre Dame hockey team knocking off the number three team in the pairwise, Penn State. 
two to one on Friday. Now the Lions came back and won the next one. And winning the vote easily at 58.5%, the Cincinnati Bengals, led by Joe Burrow, beating the Bills in Buffalo 27 to 10. We thank you for voting, and here is today's question that I posted just a couple of moments ago. Which Super Bowl 57 matchup are you pulling for? So not necessarily the best game, although that can be your argument. But what Super Bowl matchup are you pulling for? Your choices. A rematch from, what, three years ago? The Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. Choice number two. The Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Your third choice. This would be the third time this matchup would occur in Super Bowl history. The Cincinnati Bengals facing the San Francisco 49ers. And finally, the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Which Super Bowl matchup are you pulling for? Chiefs Niners, Chiefs Eagles, Bengals 49ers, Bengals Eagles. We'd love for you to vote. You can do so by logging on to Twitter and searching my Twitter account at 960Sportspeed. And let us know what Super Bowl 57 matchup you're pulling for this year's Super Bowl in the home of the Arizona Cardinals in Glendale, Arizona. And you can hear Super Bowl 57 right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is 536 at WSBT. Sports Beat is being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Hey, sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop for new beginnings, have happy endings, and our sports updates are brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Sean Stevens in South Bend or Bob Borlick in North Liberty. Blackman now moves it to the left side. Here's a shot taken by Justin Janicki. Save, rebound, Janicki has it back. Moves it right circle, Ralston, backhands. He scores! Ryder Ralston, a power play goal. And Notre Dame has their first lead of the night. It is Notre Dame two and Penn State one. Power play goal, Ralston and Justin Janicki with the terrific cross-ice feed. And the Irish have the advantage in Happy Valley. That piece of audio from Friday night as Jeff Jackson's Fighting Irish won in University Park, Pennsylvania, knocking off the number three team in the Parawise, Penn State, 2-1. to one. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio, streaming live at WSBTradio.com on the WSBT Radio app, a video feed available on the Twitter app. It is 17 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. 
Some very important Notre Dame football recruiting talk with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football recruiting insider Mike Singer coming up in just a little bit here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, the Irish hockey team is in an interesting spot right now. You take a look at their record, and it is 11, 12, and 3. Doesn't knock your socks off. But the one thing about college hockey that is a little different than, let's just say, college basketball, for example, the records matter because you have to obviously win games in order to make the NCAA tournament. But for this Fighting Irish hockey team, they are right now in a really good position to make the NCAA tournament despite the fact that they do not have a winning record at this time. And the best way to explain it is the pairwise ranking is the ranking that helps to decide which teams are going to make the NCAA tournament from an at-large standpoint. There's a formula that goes into the pairwise. I can tell you that if you win on the road, it's worth a win and a half. So there is more value that goes into a team winning on the road like Notre Dame did against the number three team in the pairwise last weekend. The Irish have in their favor a very difficult schedule. Their strength of schedule is as good as anybody's in the country. So I hope that gives you a little idea why Notre Dame can be 11, 12, and 3, and yet they have a chance to make the field of 16 for the NCAA tournament. Now, they were 18 going into last weekend against Penn State. Beating Penn State on Friday, Notre Dame jumped up to 13. Then after losing on Saturday, 3-2, to two, they fell back to 15. As I've always mentioned on the show, when it comes to the pairwise, you want to be in the top 12. Normally, top 12 always gets in. If you're 13, 14, 15, there are so many times in which a team that would not make the tournament wins a conference tournament and gets an automatic berth knocking someone out of the NCAA tournament. So you want to be 12 right now. The Irish are at 15. The one thing about this team They're playing really well five-on-five. The problem is they're just not scoring enough goals. Notre Dame entering this weekend. They are 49th in the country out of 60 teams in goals per game, averaging just 2.35 a contest. Defensively, they are right in the middle of the pack, 29th out of 60 teams at 2.77 goals per game. So defensively, this team has been okay. Ryan Bischel has been solid between the pipes. The defense core has been good. The Irish have played four consecutive games against top five teams without their captain and top offensive weapon along the blue line in Nick Lieberman. But it comes down to this. Notre Dame's going to have to score more goals or they're going to have to rely on winning a lot of games 2-1 to one like they did Friday at Penn State. And the margin for error is very small when you're trying to win games in that capacity. I think Notre Dame's forwards do a good job of helping out on defense. They get back. The fact is Notre Dame's just got to get into better scoring areas. Sometimes you have to take a little beating in front of the net in order to put yourself in position to score a goal and chase Primo 
did that twice last week and stationed right in front of the net. You're going to get hit by a stick. You're probably going to get punched in the back of the head. Who knows what else down there in that area. But he scored a goal on Friday to tie the game at one. Notre Dame won two to one. And then on Saturday, he had a goal right in front of the net again to put the Irish in front two to one in the second period. Now, the Irish ended up losing that game three to two, but I think that is a good starting point for the remainder of the season. Notre Dame's ability to score a few more goals. You got to get in front of the net, you got to have some rebound goals, and that's what they will try to accomplish. Now, they will take on a Wisconsin Badger hockey team this weekend at the Compton Family Ice Arena. Well, up in Madison a couple of weeks ago, they got shut out the first night, which is shocking because Wisconsin is not great defensively. They are now tied for 39th in the country, giving up three goals per game. And then one of the craziest regular season games I've been a part of, Notre Dame won 6-4. They are up 5-0 at one point. And Wisconsin would score four power play goals in the third period. Two of their players had two power play goals in the third, and special teams has been a struggle for the Irish, although they scored two power play goals against Penn State last weekend. That's a really, really good sign. Point is this. Notre Dame's taken on a Wisconsin team that is last in the Big Ten. In the pairwise, they're 33rd. If you're a tournament team, you have to win these two. Not a win and a tie, not a split. If you're seriously an NCAA tournament team, you got to win these two. I know hockey's a little more wacky, bad bounces, puck hitting a knee going in. A little different than basketball, but you got to bag two victories here. Get over 500 and take care of the teams that you should beat. Friday at 7.30, Saturday at 6 o'clock, both games on Quality Rock. 94.3 FM. Sports update coming up in a couple of moments here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My husband and I had a... Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com. The WSBT radio app. And on Twitch. As Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer. Mike is ready to roll this week for another conversation on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Also, we have this video available on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well, Darren. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing terrific. Thank you very much. Justin Scott, that's a name that's become pretty popular amongst fighting Irish football fans, and sounds like he was coming to town, and now it's going to be a little delayed. But he's worth the wait, Mike. This is a guy that seems like one of those elite defensive linemen that a lot of really good programs want to get their hands on. Oh, man, 6'5", 310 pounds, and he's got great athleticism as a basketball player. Yeah, this is a uh, complete package kind of defensive lineman, Darren. He is a, a special player. You want him on the interior. He's a run stuffer. He'll get after the quarterback. He is what longtime Notre Dame fans have just been, uh, you know, dying for, you know, on the interior of the defensive line. And I think Harry Heastan might even have an argument for, hey, I want him on the offensive <laughs> line. These are, and you'll see him on his, uh, some on his early junior season tape of him mauling people. So, you know, nose tackle, three technique, you play my guard or tackle like the guy is just a superb athlete of a big man and, and, and someone that Notre Dame has coveted. Um, for the 
past year or so. They really want him in their class. For those listening on the radio, on the YouTube video, Mike is showing highlights of Justin Scott. And you heard him say he's 6'5", 310. I mean, Mike, he moves like he's 6'5", 245. Darren, if Notre Dame is able to get this young man, I mean, he's someone you build your defensive line around. Um, I mean, this would be just such a big recruiting win for and, and several coaches. Uh, and, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into the recruitment here in just a moment, Darren. But uh, between Marcus Freeman, Al Washington, Chad Bowden, uh, Bowden, the director of recruiting at Notre Dame, um, Al Golden, and, and even Tommy Reese uh, with his Chicago background, he's been important in this recruitment. So whole staff effort. Um, and this, again, would be you, – you can't emphasize enough how big this would be for the Irish if they get it done. I know storylines don't matter when it comes to winning football games, but from my standpoint, Mike, this would be a great way to kind of restart a new generation of Notre Dame defensive line play. We've talked about the great run Mike Elson had recruiting and developing the defensive line for so many years, and now Coach Washington is in charge of the defensive line. This almost feels like a reshuffle, a restart. This would be a great way to kind of rebuild that Irish defensive line. Yeah, sure. I, I, you've got to continue it. I mean, they're they're not saying, all right, we, we know what we are with defensive linemen at Notre Dame. We're, we're just going to settle with, you know, your, your three-star type talents. Like, they're, they're shooting for the stars, not only at defensive line, but all these positions. Like, they are going for the best talent across the country. Like, that's not just lip service. So, when you look at who they're trending for in, in this, you know, defensive line class, Justin Scott. They have Owen Wafel committed, who's just this bowling ball from New Jersey. How about Bryce Young? And, yes, that last name, he's Bryant Young's kid. He's um, he's on the lighter side at about 6'4", 220 right now, but he's someone who projects to put on weight and, and be a strong side defensive end who, you know, could get after the passer. Um, you know, I like Notre Dame for the Twins out of uh, New Jersey, uh, Jared and Jacob Smith. Notre Dame's had a really good success over the years with, with brothers and even more specifically twin brothers. So um, it, it's, it's shaping up to be a really good defensive line class. And Notre Dame has, cast a pretty wide net they have a lot of offers out you know whether it's on the interior or the outside of the defensive line so I think they're going to end up signing a pretty darn good class I just got to close on these guys so I'm assuming understanding what you're talking about here and doing a little reading that Notre Dame at the very least they have put themselves in great position with Justin Scott they're just waiting to hear from Justin to come to campus and then say yes to Notre Dame that's kind of where we are (laughs) It's been interesting, Darren. So I put in a prediction last summer after he visited for this uh, little cookout-style recruiting thing they had at the end of July. I put in a prediction. Uh, I was loving Notre Dame's. Our sources were really uh, optimistic that they were going to be able to get that done. And then he didn't visit throughout the fall. And you're thinking, all right, I know he's got some games on Saturdays, uh, but not all of them. Like There there were some visits he could have taken but just wasn't able to get over. I mean, we're talking about Chicago. So he just wasn't able to get over, um, you know, to make the, the short trip to South Bend. So, but he did go to USC and Michigan and Ohio State and I believe Miami. So you're like, man, that's follow the visits is my big mantra, right? That's not looking good for Notre Dame, but it's not a perfect mantra, right? Because even though he was looking at a, a spring summer decision, it, you know, he just tweeted out kind of randomly a couple weeks back. Hey, I'm deciding on my birthday, January 31st. And, and you start digging and it looks good for Notre Dame, despite he hasn't been to campus since in July. Now, granted, he was supposed to be on campus this past Sunday. 
that visit fell through due to weather. Um, but he's rescheduling it for this Sunday, two days before his commitment date, Darren. So you're thinking, okay, that sounds really good, but weather is supposed to be even worse this weekend in, in <laughs> Chicago. So we'll see. I, I still, this is more Mike Singer talking at this point. Well, does he delay it? Does he, does he push things back? Hey, I, I want to get back to Notre Dame. Like I want to make this thing really sure. So let me wait until March because February is a, a dead period the entire month. No face-to-face contact. The coaches can't go out on the road like they're doing right now. Recruits can't come to campus like they're able to do in January or the latter half of January, I should say. Um, so that's still something I'm keeping an eye on. There has been a little talk in his camp about potentially delaying it after the Georgia offer. He picked up offer from the Bulldogs. Um, but uh, as things stand, he's plugging along with that decision date of uh, six days from now, Darren. And, again, if that happens to the Irish, that will be absolutely huge. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Joining me on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We go through recruiting. We hear some last names. It's kind of like, eh, okay, like Smith, Jones, maybe Singer. You know, there's not a lot of oomph <laughs> with that. Now, at Notre Dame, if you hear Pritchett, then all of a sudden, like, wow, Wes Pritchett, you know, that's pretty cool. But then we get to this name. Notre Dame has offered a 2024 safety by the name of Kennedy Erlocker. I can't imagine there's too many Erlocker different branches of, of family heritage. So I got to ask, is it that Brian Erlocker is the, uh, the dad of Kennedy Erlocker? What's the story? That is true. His father is uh, Brian Erlocker. And, I, you know, th- th- this is... This is a, a kind of a, a crazy one for me. I mean, uh, kind of like a, a wow moment. Like you, you're you're getting up there in a little bit in age. So you're still oh, in your. Geez. I'm 29. I, I'm still very young, but I mean Brian Urlacher. That was I mean watching the Bears. I mean that. I mean he him and Zach Thomas. Uh, and I would say even Ray Lewis took some. Like I fell in love with football. Those three players. Like I loved linebacker play. You know, in the early 2000s. I mean that. And now I'm covering his son. You know, I'm going to get on this, the phone with his son this week, probably. Like that—that's that, a crazy one for me. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was good to mention on here: six one, hundred eighty pounds, safety, um, Chandler, Arizona High School. Uh, yeah, Irish extended an offer. Uh, Marcus Shreeman was at his school on Monday, and Mike Dickens was at his school last week. Mm. Um, so yeah, the Irish are are definitely looking to make a push here. Um, he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Here's an interesting little tidbit: I don't know. It, exactly how close Marcus Freeman and Brian Urlacher were, but Freeman was on like the Bears practice squad. Like he was with the Bears at the same time. I want to say it's 2009 as Brian Urlacher. So they, and they at least played the same position. So there, there's somewhat of a relationship there. I don't know if they've been, you know, uh, you know, going to the pub together over the years, <laughs> but um, they at least did play, not only this play on the same roster, but the same position. So I thought that was interesting. And, um, you know, a lot of Notre Dame fans are also Chicago Bear fans, so I, I thought that might be interesting to mention. I like that. I like that. Mike, let's move along to Notre Dame looking to flip a couple of 2024 Southeastern Conference defensive back commitments. So let's find out who those two players are and where they are committed to at this time. I, I always say follow the visits, Darren. That's my big thing. And that applies to players and where they're going to the visits, right? That's a, it's, it's just a way to say actions speak louder than words. It also applies to the Notre Dame coaching staff. Where are they going on the road? They are going to stop in at the high schools of their top targets. They're going to make themselves 
um, yeah, very present at those programs. Well, they've been to Caleb Beasley's school. This is a four-star cornerback who I think the world of. I've seen him two or three times in person. Just an outstanding cornerback prospect from Nashville Lipscomb Academy. Um, I actually love Notre Dame to land him. Um, coming out of his visit for Irish Invasion last summer, he was probably the best player there in my opinion. Logged a prediction, didn't work out. He commits to his home school, uh, his home state school, Tennessee. Notre Dame is saying, "Sorry, man, you're too good of a fit. We need you here in South Bend." So uh, Marcus Freeman was at his school uh, last week, and Mike Mickens uh, dropped by his school uh, on Tuesday. So Notre Dame is definitely not giving up on this one, um, continuing to push for him. And, and how about this one? Uh, Peyton Woodyard just committed to Georgia uh, January 7th. Um, and, he, I mean, he's an elite prospect, number 34 overall player nationally, number two safety. Another player who I really like the Irish to land early, and, and then he, his recruitment continues to blow up. You know, you've seen the story before, he commits to the Bulldogs. I love that Notre Dame is not saying, ah, well, we're just going to move on. It's for these players who, man, we just know that they would fit so well at our university. We're just going to keep going after them and make them tell us no again. But, you know, I, I really like that from this Notre Dame coaching staff. So they're going after Beasley and then Woodyard, this uh, 6'1", 190-pound safety. They're, they're definitely going after him as well. And uh, Chris O'Leary, Marcus Freeman, stopped by at his high school today. Mike, a quick follow-up on Beasley, if you don't mind. You mentioned that in Notre Dame's way of thinking that this kid is an absolutely perfect fit. What makes it such a perfect fit between Beasley and Notre Dame? Notre Dame's such a unique place. Right, and, and, and Notre Dame's locker room is different than a lot of locker rooms across the country. And those two young men, and Woodyard definitely is included in that. Man, you just get those kids around Notre Dame's commits. You get them near the players. Like there's just kind of that synergy. Um, and Notre Dame likes recruiting the kids. They're also excellent football players. They're just the kind of young men you want your football program. Okay, very good. All right, Mike, let's talk about Notre Dame's recent Junior Day weekend, and you have a couple of new predictions to unveil. Yeah, so one, both are interesting, right? They're, they're both are, you know, maybe would be upset wins for the Irish. Notre Dame is always good to go into a Texas and Ohio and beat out, you know, the Longhorns for a Texas kid or or going to Ohio and beat Ohio State, or, or going to Florida and, and upset the big three down there, going to California, upset USC. Like, Irish are always good for a few of those in the cycle, right? I've got two that are, are in that mold. Now, Peyton Pierce is from the Dallas area, but tons of Oklahoma connections. Um, I believe it was his grandpa played for OU. I want to say both of his parents attended OU, his cousin. Um, you know, is a student at Oklahoma, but he's been to Notre Dame three times since this past summer. Um, he went to the Stanford game, and I remember talking to him after that. And uh, despite that horrific performance on the field, he absolutely was raving about it. Like you rarely hear a player rave about a visit. He was just on campus for that junior day. So Notre Dame uh, sources really like where the Irish are at here. Um, I, I do as well from my conversations with him and, and some other, um, you know, sources, you know, close to that high school. So um, do like Notre Dame logged a prediction, but, you know, far from over. Um, I want to say it was just at Texas this past weekend. Again, he's got the Oklahoma uh, um, connections. Texas A&M is very involved as well, but do like the Irish for Peyton Pierce. 
And then I often don't like logging predictions for players who are, uh, you know, sophomores in high school. But, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw a shot in the dark a little bit here. But it's more than a shot in the dark. Like Notre Dame, uh, you know, folks at Notre Dame really think the Irish are going to land Dorian Brew. He's from Clayton, Ohio, Northmont. Um, he's got some Notre Dame connections in that. You know, he's, he's from the Dayton area, which is where Mike Mickens and um, Marcus Schumann are from. He's listed as a receiver, 6'3", 175 pounds, which if he's actually that, that's a big sophomore. Uh, Notre Dame actually likes him as a defensive back, specifically corner, but could play receiver or corner. Um, so there's just, you know, kind of some interesting things working in Notre Dame's favor. His family loves Notre Dame. Uh, Brew had a fantastic visit for the junior day. So did go ahead long that prediction. It's very early. The chances of me being wrong are decent, again, because there's just such a long recruiting process to go. He did pick up on a Ohio State offer recently. But uh, I'm all with the Irish to make that win. Um, again, folks folks at Notre Dame you know, definitely feel like they can get him. And, Mike, for our radio audience, Pierce, is he a linebacker? Yes, yes, okay. thank you, yeah. Um, yeah, linebacker prospect. And he's a pretty good one, you know, at uh, four-star prospect, number 107 overall nationally, number 11 linebacker, and 6'1", or 210 pounds, good-looking player that Notre Dame loves. So we're taping this on January the 24th. How heavily involved – is Notre Dame and other major schools already with the sophomore class in high school? Like you just mentioned that wide yeah. receiver. Yeah, pretty heavy. Wow. Um, I would say a bulk of what Notre Dame is doing right now on the road is for, for 24s. But you'll see like Jared Parker, for example, he's stopping in and, um, you know, Riley Durham, Riley Durham Charlotte, uh, Tennessee, um, you know, all over the, the volunteer state. Like, so it's a lot of area recruiting, which is we're stopping in at these high schools to, to get information about some of these underclassmen that we're scouting. Um, so that it's, it's definitely an important part. Um, Notre Dame's offered a handful of 2025 prospects. They've got a few quarterback offers out, and they offered a new one from uh, the Peach State this past week. But, um, yeah, again, it's mainly 24, but Notre Dame's probably offered, I don't know, 30 for 40 players in the 2025 club, something like that. Okay. Mike, tell our listeners about all the great things happening at blueandgold.com right now. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people if you like what we do on YouTube and, and, and my radio hits with you, Darren, I mean, it's just really scratching the surface for all what we cover and write about at blueandgold.com and, um, you know, get the live updates on everything, you know, think the information as it's happening. You know, we always report that at blueandgold.com. So whether you're into the recruiting side of things um, or you really want to dive into kind of the off-season chatter for what's going on with Notre Dame football and all the projections going into the next year, you know, Patrick and Tyler and, and, and Todd Burlich do a fantastic job, you know, covering the Notre Dame beat. So always recommend heading over to blueandgold.com and you, you can join uh, for $29.99. That'll get you premium access. All, read all of our articles, get on the loose emoji board. That'll get you access till the start of the next football season. Mike, good to be with you. Thank you for the insight on Notre Dame football recruiting, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. All right. Sounds good. That's Thanks, Mike man. Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider. Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.